welcome. My name's Paul, uh, pastor here. Some of you I haven't seen for a long time. Some of you I've met for the first time today. And today is Father's Day, and I just thought it would be appropriate to, um, <clears throat> to start with some dad jokes. So what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. I know. Those of you online, you can groan too. What do you call a cheese that isn't yours? Nacho cheese. Right? So some of my favorites. Dad, are we pyromaniacs? We are, son. Wait for it. Half of you don't get it, do you? Arson? We arson? Pyromaniacs? No, no. You know, probably my favorite, the rotation of the earth, really makes my day. Thank you for coming today. Let's see. We do want to to uh, recognize dads. And, uh, you know, I wake up on a morning like this morning and I realize my dad's been uh, gone for 12 years. And I was saying to my wife yesterday, I miss my dad. And I know some of you here uh, miss your fathers. And some of you um, maybe have had uh, fathers that weren't the best. But we have that concept of what fathers should be. And we have lots of men in the congregation. And we want to say, hey, happy Father's Day. And, uh, and we want to celebrate with you today. But as men, we enjoy the simple things in life. We enjoy being tough, smart, good-looking, right? We can do things that are really cool, like never be lost. <laughs> Fit into pants that are two sizes too small still. Just suck it up and buckle it in. And we always have an explanation for why the room smells funny. <laughs> right? There is a stigma that comes uh, with men, though. A stigma that's been around for a long time. And I think there are a number of people that struggle with living with that stigma. In fact, a lot of men try to avoid it. And it revolves around things about what it means to be a man. And so for a lot of guys, we shy away from showing emotion unless only around those that are closest to us. Or we don't like having an answer to the challenges of life. And we struggle with feeling inadequate when we can't provide or do something for someone that we love. Particularly when the one that we love is hurting and suffering and we ache for them and there's nothing we can do. And I suspect that that's not just something that guys struggle with. We all struggle with those times when there's somebody that we love and we ache for them because they're hurting and we want to do something for them and we can't. And today's story that we're going to use in the Gospel of Luke, I think, speaks to this idea of when someone we love is hurting and we ache for them. And so it's a story about a dad and his son, but I think that there's learning in it for all of us. We are walking through the Gospel of Luke this year and just um, piece by piece looking at the things that we can learn from it. So we've gone all the way up through to Luke chapter 6. And today we're going to just jump ahead a few chapters into Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 37. 
And just to set the context for this, Jesus has been doing a number of miracles and teaching with his disciples. And he's gone up on a mountainside with three of his closest disciples, closest followers, and they experienced something profound with him. The biblical writers call it the transfiguration of Jesus. He's on a mountain and there's a cloud that comes down and Jesus' appearance changes. And they see him almost in all of his glory. And with them are Moses and Elijah, or two prophets who've been dead for hundreds of years, but they're with him. And the disciples, there's three of them that are with Jesus. They experience this, and they're blown away by it. And you can read about that in Luke chapter 9, right before this story that I'm going to read for you. And they come down off of, this, off of the mountain from this experience. And then we get to verse 37, and this is what Luke writes. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. And a man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, and they couldn't. And Jesus said, You faithless, corrupt people. How long must I be with you and put up with you? And then he said to the man, Bring me your son. And as the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, and he healed the boy. And he gave him back to his father, and awe gripped the people as they saw the majestic display of God's power. So I just want to walk us through this story a little bit today. Here's a dad in the crowd, and somebody he loves is hurting, and he aches for the one he loves, and he would do anything to fix it, and he can't. And what fascinates me when we read this passage is Luke uses a phrase that's used a lot in his gospel, and he talks about the crowd. As you read through Luke's gospel, you'll see the crowd is always in the background. There's Jesus, and there's the crowd of people around him. And we talk about being centered on Jesus. There can be a whole bunch of us, and we keep Jesus in the center, and we just celebrate as people turn to Jesus, and they move closer to the center. And you'll see this playing out in, in Luke's historical account of the life of Jesus. The crowd is always around. It's just there. And it's often in the background or off to the side. Sometimes the crowd is the foreground. So earlier in chapter 9, Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and the focal point of the story is the crowd. But in this instance, he comes down off the mountain, and there's the crowd, and yet there's a man in the crowd. There's a father in the crowd. And you have this wonderful juxtaposition of the crowd and the individual. And the man takes it upon himself, great social risk, just to scream out, Teacher, I'm begging you, please do something. And there's huge risk here. And there's this wonderful tension between the crowd... Everybody that wants to get um, a focus on Jesus, who, who's kind of vying for his attention, who are waiting for him to say something, to do something incredible. There's the whole crowd, and then there's this one man who has the audacity to just 
push everyone aside and get right up at the foreground, right in Jesus' face, and say, here's my kid. And I'm at my wit's end, and I need you to do something. And the beauty of this is as you read through Luke's Gospel, Jesus is always willing and able to address the crowd, to help the crowd. And you'll read through here, there are many times when he's just healing all kinds of sickness, disease, and casting out many demons. And and he's ministering to the crowd. And then throughout, peppered throughout, you'll see the individual that comes to the foreground. And there's this lovely realization for us when we're willing to pay attention that God cares about the individual and the crowd. And I wonder if there's just some good learning in there for us. That God cares about you as an individual. But God also cares about us as a family and who we are and what's going on in our lives together and who we are becoming as a community. And healing and guidance and help are offered for both. In this story, the boy has been seized by this demon. And the demon shakes him violently, throws him on the ground. He's often foaming at the mouth. And you're probably wondering if there's a particular disease attached to that. And hold on to that, because we'll talk about that in a moment. But the dad here is desperate. And when you read uh, the wording here, in verse 38, he says, I beg you to look at my son, my only son. And when you read this story... The temptation probably is to focus on on what's happening with this boy physically. And Jesus addresses the physical problem. You know, in this case, it's actually referred to as a spiritual problem, that there is a demon inside this boy that is causing all these problems. And again, you're probably reading it and thinking, well, you know, that's what they knew it then, but nowadays it's this. But don't miss something about the cultural setting of the time. When he says, this is my son, my only son, there's something really profound happening in the family situation. That in that day, this son would be the heir to the family, would also have the responsibility as the parent's age to care for the family. And when the son, the only son, is at risk of dying, the family have lost their social stability. They are at great risk of just slipping off into um, a poverty that we can't imagine. Because they're likely already peasant farmers or something like that. And here's the dad, not only crying out to Jesus for the one that he loves to be healed, but also behind the scenes, everybody knows that this family is on a precipice and they're going to go off the edge soon. And their social stability is going to be completely wiped out. And here's the dad, I think, saying, I can't do anything else. There's nothing more I can do to care for my family. And I'm at my wit's end. And this only son that I have that I love is in such a terrible condition. And Jesus restores the boy in the story. 
And we're kind of like, yeah, that's great. But I think he's restoring more than just the physical condition of this boy. He's restoring the family's social stability. And I read this and I just wonder if there's something in this for us as a congregation, for the church, the big C church, to recognize that maybe part of our ministry is not just to save souls, but to actually address injustice and inequality and tackle the difficult social issues in our day and age. The dad comes to Jesus and says, My son, my only son, he's hurting. The demon does this to him. And I brought him to your disciples. I brought him to your people, Jesus. The people that I thought would be able to help me. And they tried and they couldn't drive out the demon. And this fascinates me. Because I want to read verse 1 in chapter 9 for you. In chapter 9, verse 1, we read this. One day, Jesus called together his twelve disciples. And he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And so they went out and they did this. And then they came back to Jesus and they told him of all the cool things that they did. And it was like a big, woohoo, look at us. And they were just on a high And then a little bit later in the chapter, here they are, a dad brings his boy, and they can't cast out this demon. It's like, what? I thought Jesus gave them power and authority to cast out all demons, and yet this one, they don't seem capable of doing it. And you might be left asking the question, well, why couldn't they? And the very next verse is a really disturbing verse. Here's a dad that comes. He's hurting. He's looking for help from Jesus. And he tells him all about his son. And the first words out of the mouth of Jesus are this. You faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you and put up with you? And you're like, bedside manners. Like, there's no bedside manners there. Jesus needs to go to medical school and learn a little bit about bedside manners because this guy's hurting and the first thing that he says to him is, you faithless and corrupt people, how long do I have to put up with you? And there's, there's wonderful speculation. Who is Jesus talking to? Is he talking to the man? Is he talking to the crowd? Or is he talking to his disciples? And different people have different thoughts on that. I think, based on the context and what's going on, he's talking to the twelve. You know, the people who should know. And he's saying, you guys don't get it. When when is the penny going to drop for you guys? And yet we're still left with this question, why couldn't they cast out this demon? And why couldn't they heal? Why couldn't they stop it? And we've been asking that question for thousands of years. Why do some people get better and other people don't? We pray for people and nothing happens. So is it your faith? Is it my faith? Is it the person who's sick? 
Does God just take joy and like, yeah, forget you. Yeah, I'll take you. Is that the kind of God that we worship? I leave you with, with that tension because Luke doesn't resolve it here for us. There's no explanation why they couldn't other than Jesus is saying, you still have so much to learn. What fascinates me is Peter, James, and John are kind of like the three closest. Have you ever been in a community, you know, like in the church here, um, there's, there's like our church board, the leadership team, and then there's the, the congregation, and then sometimes in the leadership team, in most chairs, like a chair and a vice chair and a secretary and a treasurer and all those fun things, all, and they have all the meetings that you all love being a part of, Right? You know, Jesus has got 12 disciples. And of the 12, there's three of them that are just, they spend more time with Jesus. And they're the ones on the mountain with him. And they witness this incredible thing happening in the transfiguration. And then they come down off the mountain. Could you imagine being there on the mountain, seeing like, Elijah and Moses and Jesus and this wild thing and then hearing this voice, this is my son, listen to him. And just what they would have been thinking and feeling as they came down off the mountain. And then suddenly they're thrust with the other nine and there's this confusion of like, what is going on? We can't cast out this demon and Jesus is speaking to all of them. And if you think that those three are included, you know, what's really fascinating, so, so just... Follow along with me here. Someone answer that. Um, follow along with me here. They're coming down off the mountain. There's 12 people that are close to Jesus. Jesus is there. There's the Father bringing the Son. Think about what the Father is going through. I have tried everything. Everything I've tried. Even the people that are closest to you that I thought could do something can't do anything. And as, the, as He brings His Son to Jesus, right in front of Jesus, the boy goes into another conniption and the demon throws him around on the ground and he's frothing and there's chaos. Think about what the dad was feeling when somebody you love is hurting and you ache for them and you are powerless to do anything. And these three that just had this super high moment on the mountain with Jesus are now in a huge place of tension and stress and there's nothing they can do. A few verses later, one of the three who was up on the mountain with Jesus says this in verse 49. John, there was Peter, James, and John on the mountain with the transfiguration. See, sometimes I think the highs that we experience with God are to prepare us for the times that aren't so high for some of the valley experiences, some of the challenges we're going to face. And they faced a huge challenge here that they could do nothing about. And then in verse 49, John says to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he's not in our group. They couldn't cast out this demon. And Jesus is saying, like, guys, how long am I going to have to put up with you? And then a little bit later, they see somebody else who could. And their response is, hey, you're not in this group. 
You're not allowed to do that. You are not allowed to be successful. Because it makes us look bad. And what does Jesus say to him? If someone isn't against you, then they're on the same team. Don't stop them. Celebrate it. And I just think, what a great word for congregations and for churches. So often we get uncomfortable with other groups because they do things differently than us. Or things are happening and maybe we feel like it's not appropriate. And so in our minds, we don't say it out loud because we're Canadian. We're polite. We just do the passive-aggressive thing. And I just wonder if there's a word there for us. Just celebrate all the weirdness that comes with following Jesus. The Stoics and the Charismatics and to the extremes and everybody in between. God just looks at it all and says, Ah, here's my family. They're so messed up. And I love them anyway. And He's just going to do a work in them. And this is all in this context of this dad that is hurting and wants to do something for his kid. So Jesus casts out the demon. The dad's at his wit's end. And it's kind of like, if you can't do this, I'm not sure what's going to happen to my faith. And I wonder if you've ever been in a place like that. God, if you don't act, I'm not sure I can carry on. There's just been too much junk going on in my life. And everybody I turn to for help either rejects me or can't do anything. And I just wonder if you've ever felt like you've been in that place. With the recognition that for every person that Jesus healed, there were many other with the same condition that he didn't. But in this instance, he does. And I wonder if there's just this sense of hope there. That God really does care what's happening. That God really does care about the crowd and what's going on among us. That God really does care about you and the challenges you're facing and the prayers you're praying and the desperation in your voice and in your prayers. Jesus gives the disciples power and authority to cast out demons, and they did a lot. And they don't get it in this one. And it's, and it's interesting that right after Jesus heals this boy, and we read that the crowd was gripped with awe as they saw this display of God's power. This is the word power. And one of the greatest temptations of the church is for power. Especially now that we live in a secular, post-Christian culture. And many are longing to get back the kind of power that the church had, which we wielded in ways that we never should have to begin with. But as the crowd sees this majestic display of God's power, 
Well, and re- listen to this. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. So at this incredible moment, his words to his disciples are this. Listen to me and remember right now what I'm about to say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. And they didn't know what he meant. You see, in God's kingdom, this is what I think is happening here. In God's kingdom, power and authority are not about grandiosity. Power and authority are not about image. Power and authority is about serving. It's about coming under people and elevating them. Which is exactly what we see Jesus doing over and over and over again. And for disciples that have seen the incredible mountaintop experience and had the incredible highs with God that are now in the trenches and seeing this incredible display of God's power, Jesus reminds them of this. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed by His enemies. And there's an invitation into the way of Jesus to a kind of power that we spend much of our life trying to understand that is used to come under people that is used to serve, that is used to be a blessing, that is given. God shares His power with His disciples, and we are meant to share God's authority and power with others. It's not something we hold on to. It's something we release. And I wonder if part of the intent here of Luke putting this story is for us to recognize what authority looks like in God's kingdom. I wonder if one of the takeaways from this is that Jesus actually cares about you and the ones you love and challenges and trials that you're facing. And if you're at your wit's end, to know that there's hope. And recognizing the tension of life that things don't go the way we plan. We all have someone in our life. And maybe it's you. And you're just like, I can't do anything else. I've gone to everybody I know. I've gone to different churches. I've gone to the pastor. I've gone to so many people. And nobody seems able to help me through this. And the response of Jesus is, bring them to me. And then trust me. I just hope there's something in this story that encourages you today. A realization. An aha. Or just the smallest glimmer of hope. That would help you. And inspire you. The spirit moving. Online, there's a, a phone going on. So it's like I just want to have incense now. Uh, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and uh, we'll include thanking God for the food that we're going to have. But um, would you pray with me? Thank you for this story. God, I want to meet Luke someday and just 
find out, like, how did you think to craft all these different aspects of Jesus' life and put them together the way that you did? It's so amazing. And Jesus, thank you for stories like this that are just a reminder that you care about the crowd, you care about the individual, that there's hope in the midst of, of a life full of tension, that the highs with you can prepare us for the lows and the challenges that we face. And that we would understand the authority you've given to us and how extremely powerful it is in being able to elevate all those around us. Thank you for the opportunity today to enjoy some great food. And as you bless that food, may you just move among us and bless our community here today in just some great ways. Thank you so much, God, for your... Um, for your many blessings. Thank you for this story and the hope that it gives us. Amen. So before you go off, there's a few announcements that I want to make. And for those of you online, don't shut off yet. Uh, I want to invite Rob Rockwell to come up. Rob, do you have a microphone? We didn't get you a mic. Can we use a mic? Rob, can we just use one of these ones here? Okay. That's one of those things we didn't really... Um, See, Rob's going to make an announcement here just on behalf of the church board, and then I've got a few announcements for you. It's all good, so no worries there for any of you. Um, and, uh, and then I just have a few things I want to walk you through. Morning. Good morning and happy Father's Day. As we're nearing the uh, mid-year point of our fiscal year, uh, we wanted to provide a financial update as well as inform you of projects that are underway in regard to our grounds and facilities. Uh, first of all, with finances, our operating budget, uh, we rely on um, the giving as far as uh, giving as, and rental, uh, rents received from renting our facilities to assist in our operating budget every year. Uh, and this year, uh, and I mentioned at the AGM back in March, that we had planned for $6,000 uh, a week uh, on average for giving to, to meet our budget. And at that time in March, we were just below $5,000 uh, a week. And now we've, we've increased that to $5,200, but um, we currently do have a shortfall in giving, uh, about $19,300 year to date. So um, we wanted to let you know, know that. And like many places, like many churches, there's been a shift over the past two years. Uh, some of our, our previous New Life family have moved. Some of you are consider, considering making New Life your home. There's also been a shift in our routines with giving and, and how we do church, and that's okay. But uh, if you're currently giving regularly, we're, we're just asking that if, if, if it's possible, an additional 15 or $20 a week possibly, uh, or if you're new to New Life and you would like to give, uh, just our website is newlifecollywood.com, and on the top right corner you'll just click on Give, and it will guide you through that. So uh, we thank you for your, for your faithfulness in giving, and we look forward to building momentum as we continue through, through the year. For those of you who don't know our, our New Life property, it's just over six and a half acres, and the entire facility is almost 33,000 square feet. Uh, the portion that we're in right now, it's almost 40 years old, and the addition containing the gym and the classrooms is almost 20 years old. Uh, the facilities are utilized by our community on a regular basis throughout the year. 
Maple Lane Early Learning Academy. Uh, uh, operate here about nine months of the year, as you know, as many of you know. Uh, our gym is often rented by various sports teams. Uh, not-for-profit and charity organizations rent our office space. Uh, and the auditorium is used regularly for, for teaching and seminars and music events for various community groups. Our community garden, as you notice on the way in, uh, we've partnered with Free Spirit Community Gardens and a uh, local charity, and, and they supply a variety of home gardening services and rent garden plots. So that's new this year. As a board, we've continued to invest in our facilities to ensure we maintain an up-to-date, safe, and attractive working environment. Uh, some of the things most recently, we had a, a cleanup day on May 7th, and a uh, large part of that was unpacking a lot of the chairs that you'll see out, that we're using outside and, and we can utilize as stacking chairs in the gym because we needed to use chairs from the gym to replace the, the pews that we uh, once had in here. So that was uh, uh, a cost uh, of um, I think roughly about 15000 So So we've, we've done that. Those, those chairs have been purchased. We finished carpeting in the, uh, the office space. That was another uh, project that we finished up. And uh, over the next couple of months, I think as soon as they're available, uh, we'll have two new HVAC units to replace the ones uh, on our roof. Um, and that cost is about $30,000. And the, um, which, which brings me to the final item in, in uh, today's update. Uh, and so what we have right now is we have an operating budget and we have a, a capital fund that's utilized for things that are needed for the facility and for um, often it earns interest and, and we, we sometimes utilize that interest as well. But um, when I talk about these various costs, this is where the, um, the funds are coming from. So the final item in today's update, it's not news to anyone how much our parking lot has deteriorated over the past number of years. Over the last few months, we've discussed the best course of action for the parking lot we considered factors such as uh, uh, safety, for instance, with uh, having a proper fire route, designated parking spaces, uh, accessibility. I mean, to navigate a wheelchair or a walker through our current parking lot um, would be very difficult, as well as just simply tripping on, on a pothole. So, I mean, safety, accessibility, just the attractiveness, um, having something aesthetically pleasing to um, even the neighbors that are driving through and to see uh, a paved parking lot. Uh, the cost to just fill in the potholes and do temporary type work uh, is, is costly. And, and then that, those funds aren't there then to do something more permanent with. So we considered that as well. And then the big thing is the cost of asphalt and paving as the years go. It's hard to keep up with that uh, cost the longer we wait. So upon considering all these factors, we decided to proceed with paving. We approached Georgian Paving, they quoted us back in January of 2020, and we asked for an updated quote, and we reviewed that, and it was quite reasonable, and we uh, decided to proceed. The cost of doing the paving is going to run probably a net about 200000 210000 depending on, on how the final um, design comes in. We met with Terry and Nathan uh, from Georgian Paving on Tuesday, and we, we walked the parking lot. We're waiting to get the, um, the GPS design and, and see what that looks like, but um, it, it, it's going to look great. Uh, so it's been a number of years in the works. 
However, we're very excited about this improvement, and we look forward to the benefits it will provide. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, so if you didn't get that, we have an operational budget. It's, it's challenging year on year with that. Everything that he just talked about, we have another fund, an endowment fund. For seven, eight years, we've uh, been really blessed and been able to build that up. And now we're using some of it to offset some of these types of costs. And, uh, and I took a 5% pay reduction to pay for the parking lot. So, yeah. That was a joke. So why are we talking about money on a Sunday morning? Because that's like business stuff. And I would just say, actually, it's not. That's worship. Because how we give shows where our heart is. And uh, so I would just encourage you, this is just, you know, doing this stuff, this is just all part of how we give ourselves to God in worship. So if you have more questions, you can talk with Rob, uh, other people on the board, you can talk with myself. I just want to share a few more announcements. Um, the gardens that Rob mentioned, uh, there's a bunch of plants in there. If you would like to help take care of those plants for the summer, we would encourage you to contact the church office, or is Marg here? Marg is not in here. She's probably serving somewhere. Marg Code is the person that will be our liaison for coordinating some of that garden stuff. And in future years, if you want to rent a plot, you can. So, and we're kind of excited just about growing food. There's a theme here of food um, and eating, and I like that. So, uh, just another reminder, too, that there's neat things happening. And Rob could have spent a lot of time saying, look at all the things that have happened over this last year. Next weekend, I'm not going to be here. We're taking 18 of our junior high students to a retreat at Camp Kakwa. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to get to hang out with them and some really cool leaders. And uh, I'm excited about that. Some momentum that's happening there. And there's also a momentum of people meeting to pray at 915 and this is that kind of thing, the, the, the ethereal, the, the mysterious, is just come and pray. 9.15, Sunday morning, you come in, you go upstairs, and look for the people that with their heads bowed. And, uh, and pray. Just invite God to come and to move among us. And if you don't like praying out loud, then come and sit and listen to other people pray. And just be encouraged by what you are experiencing. That's every Sunday, 9.15. I'm not sure if it's going through the summer or not, and I don't know all the things that go on, so always, when in doubt, don't ask me. Uh, ask the office. Call the office. Send an email, because they do much better with all of that. Um, July long weekend, in a couple of weeks, I think, we're going to need some help with some volunteers. Steve, making deliveries still? Okay. So we're in two weekends. Uh, we're going to have an outdoor service. So it's bring your lawn chair and bring your food. So just bring your own picnic lunch. It's not really a potluck. Bring food that you're going to eat and hoard and not share with anybody. Um, and we're all going to do that. Anyway, bring your own food and bring your lawn chair. It'll be an outdoor service. And we want to invite the neighborhood behind us to come and meet their neighbors. So we've had some door knockers made up, and we need some people during the week who can give a couple hours and just go and do that whole hanging thing. So if you could do that, again, contact the church office. I don't know if there's a sign-up online or not. There might be a sign-up online. Always check the website, newlifecollingwood.com, for that. And then one final thing. I'm going to be away now for five or six Sundays. Um, COVID has been uh, really long and really exhausting. And so I'm going to be taking the month of July off. So next weekend, I'm going with our junior highs. We're going to have our retreat. And then I'm going to be away for, for four weeks. And, uh, and I know you're going to miss me. Um, so 
Uh, I just wanted you to know that. So if you're wondering, like, where's the pastor, I'm just going to take all my holiday time in one shot and just take that month off. So you're not going to have me preaching. We're going to have guest speakers now for the next number of weeks, and I'm excited about what they will bring and the voices that they will bring, and I encourage you to continue to participate and be here. Enjoy the summer, and I look forward to connecting up with you when I'm back on July 25th. Okay? Great. So, um, food-wise, I think the plan is, and I forgot to check about the details, we're going out the door, Heather, and there's, there's lines out there. Go to where the tables are that have food on them. You can go up either side of the table. There are tables and chairs out there that you can sit at, you can stand, you can visit. If you came today and you didn't register, there's lots of food. Please stay and enjoy and be our guest and uh, just enjoy the weather because we've nailed it today. So looking forward to having fun. Out we go. I think it's all set up. So as you go, you can just help yourselves and start eating. We've already prayed for the food. Thank you.